time. I hope you're enjoying your view. Yes. Bye. Bye. That kind of sucked balls. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.Evan. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've given it a thought or two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's joke workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> Radio listener, it's that time of year again. March 1st through 5th, it's time for the 4th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. Over 40 comics, 25 shows, 5 days, all here at Mutiny Radio, 2781 21st Street at Florida Street. 25 shows, 5 days, amazing comics from all over the United States here in San Francisco to entertain you with 25 differently themed shows hosted by local San Francisco comedians bringing you 
comedians from all over the United States here. Everything will be live, live streaming and podcast post. Get your tickets. $10 a show, 25 shows, a million laughs. It's the fourth annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival brought to you by Benders, Counter Offer and Subliminal SF. Yes, it's labor and love on a Saturday morning. <clears throat> Advice from Mississippi Fred McDowell. Get ready, you gotta move. Thank you. 
when you're older must appease him and promises of someday make his dreams and the seasons they go round and round and the painted ponies go up and down we're captive on the carousel of time we can't return we can only look behind from where we came and go round and round and round in a circle sixteen springs and sixteen summers gone now This is Labor and Love. Good morning, mutineers. It's good to talk to you again. Um, past last week. Skipped last week. And I certainly missed being here, okay? Uh, that was the first set. We had The Circle Game with Joni Mitchell. The best song I know, besides Ode Lang Syne to... Uh, express feelings about the passing of the year 
passing of 2018, Joni Mitchell. Bob Marley with crazy bald heads. <clears throat> How would history be changed if the tribes had chased the crazy bald heads out of town? Maybe the bald heads would have come back with a better attitude. And before that, Fred McDowell, you got to move, okay? Don't stand still. Someone else might be catching up with you. Fred McDowell, by the way, once said, he says, Mississippi, Fred McDowell, I uh, got that name because I moved to Mississippi to uh, live with my sister. So what you really want to say is Tennessee Fred McDowell. And he said, uh, Fred don't play no rock and roll. You want to see Fred rock? Put him in a rocking chair. Fred McDowell, you got to move. You don't stand still. Well, welcome. Welcome to the Labor and Love Show where we tell you how it is. If one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table, that is, where you live, you're probably on the menu. In fact, I guarantee you're on the menu. <laughs> we don't have to say probably. And finally, never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Labor and Love Radio, where the labor meets the road. Well, what have we got today? We're going to hear views about 2018 from uh, local union people, building trades people. Sears is catching heat, whatever for. Today in labor history. And a very inspiring uh, little tape, pardon me. A tape of, as a guy watches a group of workers just all of a sudden, because two of their comrades were fired, all of a sudden throw down and just walk out of the factory. The uh, commentary that the guy gives while it's happening is amazing. We got Radio Labor, our World Labor Report, and uh, some stuff from Labor Notes, revisiting a California Teachers Union, Federation of Teachers cartoon that caused a lot of, uh, a lot of upset for people from Fox News and their ilk. Um, Play some more music. I haven't played this one for a while.
de este amor nuestras almas se acercaron Tanto así que yo guardo tu sabor Como tú llevas también sabor a mí Si negaras mi presencia en tu vivir Bastaría con abrazarte y conversar Tanta vida yo te di que por fuerzas llevarás sabor a mí. No pretendo ser tu dueño, no soy nada, yo no tengo vanidad en mi vida. Todo lo bueno, soy tan pobre que otra cosa puedo dar. Pasarán más de mil años, muchos más, yo no sé si tengamos la eternidad, pero allá tal como aquí, y en la boca llevarás sabor a mí. Happened there, lest you think that was uh, done intentionally as a way to uh, mix the songs. <laughs> I've got a computer problem, a hair trigger computer here. That as I as I look through the different songs, um, a mere touch will make it play over the air. Anyway, you you heard pieces of the Brooklyn Funk Orchestra with. The Creator has a master plan. Indeed, the Creator does. That master plan is increasing civility, 
increasing communion among peoples. And that's part of the destiny, part of the, the duty, part of the task of the labor movement is to promote that communionism among all workers, that people would see themselves as workers. Nobody's going to believe completely. Nobody's going to agree completely. But we can agree to be people who look at the world from the point of view of workers. And we had Albatross, Fleet, early Fleetwood Mac hit, and Sabor a Mi, a beautiful version by Los Lobos of a very well-known Chicano song. So what do we got? What's on Labor and Love Radio? Sears is in hot water, as well they should be. Sears is catching heat for dedicating over $25 million to exec bonuses while reportedly cutting off severance for laid-off store workers. Sears is enticing top executives to stick around by touting $25.3 million in potential bonuses according to the Chicago Tribune. This is an article from the Business Insider. Meanwhile, laid-off Sears store employees told Vox they had stopped receiving severance checks a few weeks after the retailer filed for bankruptcy in October. Senator Bernie Sanders and other commenters took to social media to blast this discrepancy. Sears has got people fuming over the fact that top executives stand to pick up major bonuses while laid off Kmart and Sears store employees have seen their severance pay nixed. Last week, a bankruptcy court gave the company a go-ahead to set aside $25.3 million in bonuses for top executives, according to the Chicago Tribune. The retailer argued that it required the money in order to get these execs to stick around. Stick around, please, we'll pay you millions of dollars. Okay? No, no, we'd, we'd rather use this money for our execs than for our workers, and there you go. There it is, the abstraction of capitalism. When the chips are down, the money goes to the top. Okay, money doesn't, money flows from bottom to top. Those dollars that the executives are getting are dollars that the workers don't get. The Chicago Tribune reported that 19 executives will receive bonuses from a pool of 8.4 million if they help the company hit its goals for the next six months. 
while 315 senior employees could draw from a pool of $16.9 million. So as you go down, you make less money, right? 19 uh, executives, a pool of 8.4 million. What's that? Uh, $400,000. $450,000 each if they help the company hit its goals for the next six months. 315 are going to get $16.9 million. So they're going to make, what, 20000 Something like that. Meanwhile, laid-off Sears employees have reported they stopped receiving severance checks. Sears and Kmart store employees posted a letter to the company on Rise Up Retail's website demanding that the retailer guarantee severance pay and create a hardship fund for thousands laid off Sears and Kmart employees to help our families get back on our feet. No. Your, your family doesn't matter. <laughs> If it comes to a choice between the execs getting their bonuses and your family, you know what'll happen under capitalism. Capitalism is about the money. And when the money conflicts with the humanity, the money wins out. It's been devastating, laid off Kmart employee Sheila Brewer told Vox. Brewer said she received severance for two weeks before the money stopped coming. In addition to losing my job and having anxiety about who's going to hire me, since I haven't had a job interview in almost 20 years, I'm counting on this money. I'm already behind on my rent and I am the sole provider for my family. A representative for Sears did not immediately respond to business Insider's request for comment. Bernie Sanders says this proves it's indicative of a rigged economy. If Sears has $25 million to give the bonuses to executives after closing over 100 stores, why is the company telling thousands of laid-off workers they don't have money to pay severance? So, la pura neta, as they say, that's what happens. That's what happens. I want to play this, this next one because this is, this is amazing. This is a rapper who's talking about something that's happening right in front of him, right? And what that is, is a walkout. No, we don't want to play Fred. see if we can get this up. This guy is watching the employees just walk off, shut, completely shut down the factory. He's amazed and he's, he thinks it's great. Listen up. This is, uh, 
Hey, Migos, get up out this motherfucker. Y'all got him fucked up. <laughs> Look at him. They sent a couple of them home. They all packed they shit up and shut this motherfucker down. Nigga, who y'all think y'all playing with? Mexico, man, this is what black people need to be on, man. I swear to God, I love this shit. They are packing they shit up and shutting this motherfucker. Huh? Uh, oh, my mama. All that shit. <laughs> they are not bullshitting. They packed up. Yeah, I see. It's over. Them motherfuckers now packed up and dipped. They thought they was going to play with these amigos. And they said, oh, yeah, we rise together, homie. And they leaving. And they not bullshitting. Take this in, man. Look at this, man. They shut this big motherfucker down today, man. We all going home, man. The SAs, look, ain't no grinding, cutting, welding. This motherfucker dead ass quiet. The Mexicans shut this motherfucker down, nigga. Said, fuck you, bitch. And really, and really, see, this is what I'm talking about, baby. I swear to God, they got me here and geeked up. Oh, my Malcolm back shit. Oh, my mama, nigga. Fuck the bullshit, nigga. Look at this. They shut this bitch down. They pissed them off, nigga. And they said, fuck you, we out. We not working no more today. Kiss my ass, nigga. I'll let y'all tomorrow. Oh, my mama. That's great. Look. Ain't nobody here. We're just cleaning up. We're going home. It's over. I'm right with the essays, nigga. Fuck it. Going to the crib. Going to the... Going to the casa. I thought I would go, man. Boy, be in. You swear to God. Hey, Migos. Okay, now that was a factory being closed down. And this guy is so amazed at the collective action of all the uh, Latino workers, all the uh, Mexican workers. He's, he's just amazed. And he's saying that's what our people need to do as well. Um, let's play it again. And uh, listen to what he admires. Okay, he's he's obviously admiring all this, but listen listen to what he he says about it. Fucked up. Look at them. They sent a couple of them home. They all packed they shit up and shut this motherfucker down. Nigga, who y'all think y'all playing with? Mexico, man. This is what black people need to be on, man. I swear to God, I love this shit. They are packing they shit up and shutting this motherfucker, huh? Uh, oh, my mama, all that shit. <laughs> they are not bullshitting. They packed up, yeah, I see, it's over. Them motherfuckers now packed up and dipped. They thought they was gonna play with these amigos and they said, oh yeah, we rise together, homie. And they leaving and they not bullshitting. Take this in, man, look at this, man. They shut this big motherfucker down today, man. We all going home, man. The SAs, look, ain't no grinding, cutting, welding. This motherfucker dead ass quiet. The Mexicans shut this motherfucker down, nigga. Said, fuck you, bitch. And really, and really, see, this is what I'm talking about, baby. I swear to God, they got me here geeked up. Oh, my Malcolm back shit. Oh, my mama, nigga. Fuck the bullshit, nigga. Look at this. They shut this bitch down. They pissed them off, nigga. And they said, fuck you, we out. 
We not working no more today. Kiss my ass, nigga. I'll let y'all tomorrow on my mama. That's great. Look, ain't nobody here. We're just cleaning up. We're going home. It's over, bro. With the essays, nigga. Fuck it. Go to the crib. Go to the. Go to the casa. Hasta la luego, me and muy bien. You swear to God. Amigo. This guy is amazed at the collective action of of the workers. But did he talk? Did he mention Malcolm X? Did he mention? Uh, how amazed he was. He goes, I love this shit. And uh, this is the way collective action can really inspire you. This guy is beside himself. And he gives a beautiful commentary about uh, their collective action. Listen to a little jazz for a minute. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. <clears throat> um, so we talked about Sears and shutting it down. That's the goal before us, you know, to work together and support one another in our uh, struggles at work. See if we can do that. Now, one of the looking for one of the um, hallmarks of this year really surprised a lot of people was the uprising of teachers, teachers from all over the country, teachers in the reddest of red states, West, states like uh, West Virginia, Oklahoma. Not only that, but other states, too. Uh, State of Washington, a lot of teacher activism there. Uh, Wisconsin, in response to uh, Scott Walker and his ilk. Um, Here in California, UTLA is on the verge of a strike. The second biggest school district in the country is on the verge of a strike. So I want to look back a little to labor history. 
about where teachers unions how they they began i mean for a long time we didn't have contracts we just acted like we did as as uh, eleanor glenn will tell in this little thing this is called against the tide and it's part of uh Fred Glass's History of the California Labor Movement. You are about to know the thrill of seeing that which has never been seen before. You are about to enter a beautiful, exciting, wonderful new world, the world of 1960. In the 1960s, California's powerful economy is larger than that of most countries. Driven by the arms race with the Soviet Union, the unionized aerospace industry ensures that every American astronaut rides into space in California-made rockets. The tax base from a strong economy supports a growing public sector, including what some call the best school system in the world. From kindergarten through graduate studies, Californians enjoy a free, high-quality education. We had support of the parents in the community for schooling, and the students came to school expecting, number one, that they were going to get a good education, and we tried, frankly, to live up to those uh, expectations. The people who deliver that education have a problem. When Franklin D. Roosevelt signed the National Labor Relations Act in 1935, public sector workers, along with farm workers, were left outside its protections. Collective bargaining is a method, and all the unions around us had won that in the 30s. And here we were in the 60s uh, without that power to bargain. The bias against public employee unions went back to 1919 when Calvin Coolidge, governor of Massachusetts, broke a policeman's strike. He wrote a famous letter to AFL president Sam Gompers. There is no right to strike against the public safety by anybody, anywhere, anytime. I remember the arguments. I mean, would the police go off on strike? Would the firemen go off on strike? How could teachers possibly uh, betray their children. Unions for teachers were seen as unpatriotic, or at least unprofessional, even to many teachers. Not that teachers made anything like the salary of a real professional, or for that matter, a skilled craftsman. You couldn't convince a nurse or a, t or a, or a teacher that she should get less than a carpenter, but the carpenter had this powerful collective bargaining tool. He was recognized, he had a contract. Also, unlike professionals such as doctors or lawyers, teachers and other public employees had little control over their work lives. I found out that they had given me five classes of driver education. <laughs> what? Excuse me? This is how we, you know you decided in those days. You don't like somebody, you give them a bad program. And by the way, I didn't drive. That was what was kind of funny about that one. I was standing in the faculty cafeteria for lunch. I was all dressed up, except I had a pair of flats on with a closed toe and no back. Something we wear all the time today. 
the girls vice principal, that's what they were called in those days, girls vice principal came to me, stopped me in the line and told me that my shoes were unprofessional. I was not to wear them again. We used to have sessions at the Board of Supervisors at which time the, the members of the board scarcely paid attention to us. They scratched themselves in intimate places. Uh, they sent out for coffee. They were eating while we were sitting in the audience. They had a disgraceful, unappreciative attitude towards the workers. Bottom line was that we did not have contractual rights, that we did not have collective bargaining, that we didn't control our jobs, our profession. We had nothing to say about it. By the 1960s, attitudes begin to change under the impact of a growing civil rights movement and the end of the McCarthy era. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. Perhaps what was being fomented in the broader society were these bigger issues, uh, the war, the civil rights, uh, the farm workers, whatever you wanted to call it. Therefore, there was a sense of, of righting wrongs. It wasn't hard to apply that to your own working conditions, your own union. The teachers were certainly in the front of the line, demanding public, uh, the right of public employees to co bargain collectively, and we were right there with them. In New York, the American Federation of Teachers leads a strike and gains a collective bargaining law and a strong contract. Inspired, California teachers begin to join the AFT too, although they could be fired just for belonging to a union. And we had tiny little unions. We had 10 people, five, 15. And our message was always the same. Uh, we're here to start a union. And starting a union means that you're going to do it yourself. And I think people were scared. I was the AFT rep at North Hollywood High School, and I did not even know, or would I ask because it was too scary, who the members were. As Pasadena high school teacher Raoul Tillet recalls, It was like joining the French underground in Paris in 1943. We had more secret members than we had public members. Tillet, elected president of the California Federation of Teachers in 1968, gives voice to the feelings of thousands of teachers as collective bargaining comes to symbolize the dream for dignity in their workplace. In the classroom, we're worried about class size, teacher-pupil ratio, supportive auxiliary services within the classroom, an honest mechanism to assess students' needs and find out what they are and where the, what's needed. We were trying to build conditions for teaching to happen and learning to happen. Um, and we saw it as a social obligation for this to happen. Eventually, we realized it involved a lot of social issues. And that meant racism, it meant economics within society at large, it meant the peace movement, a lot of things that were converging on the lives of young people. For us in California, of course, the, the big um, movement was the, the farm workers movement. And that meant that, you know, we would send pickets down wherever, wherever there was a march, the teachers were always present. The situation in California lent itself to a struggle on collective bargaining. We had elected officials who were sympathetic 
uh, it was a matter of the right time being ripe for it. And uh, not all of the public workers were going for it. I just remember the feeling of suddenly being in front of these thousands and thousands of colleagues all converging and you're trying to convince them when they're feeling good, they're just out of vacation, right, and they're going back to school, handing them this leaflet and saying, let's go, you know, we're going to have a meeting about such and such. And, uh, it was, I mean, there's a certain amount of trepidation in doing that. It takes, frankly, some guts to stand up and try to get someone to take a leaflet or and convince them that this is a thing to do and not feel rejected because they throw it on the floor or they don't take it. Strikes of teachers are illegal. It jeopardizes the safety and welfare and health of children. That act had in it an odd uneasiness. That as a teacher that you would do that, right? You didn't accidentally end up standing there with a sign. You had to purposely decide to do it. And once you decide that one time, after that, I mean, you, when you're called on, you can do it again. Although administrators and politicians claim public employee strikes are officially illegal, dozens occur anyway. The teachers were uh, engaging in strikes and they had no laws to deal with it and nobody knew what to do except put them in jail or, 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 or try to fire them or something. And, they, and all of these solutions just were, frankly, not very satisfying to anybody. By the late 60s and early 70s, teachers and other public sector unionists build an unstoppable momentum in California and across the country. We acted as though we had the power and we did in a sense, bargain collectively. We went before the Board of Supervisors. Uh, we had sick outs uh, for, at the hospitals where the usual happened, uh, where the workers uh, who did not immediately affect the health of the patients were out. And we acted as though there was a collective bargaining law, and we made it happen. 1,300 sanitation workers on track, and Memphis is not being fair to them. Martin Luther King Jr.'s involvement in a sanitation workers' strike in Memphis, Tennessee, highlights the deep connection between the civil rights movement and public sector unionism. His tragic death during that strike forces authorities to grant the workers union recognition. It also provides a renewed spark for organizing elsewhere. The public workers really put on a fight at the level of the state legislature. And that means that the teachers and the service employees, AFSCME, that was the group that really put it on. Keeping up steady pressure, one public worker group after another is granted collective bargaining rights. By 1975, Governor Jerry Brown signs the Educational Employee Relations Act, legalizing collective bargaining for teachers and other school employees. We didn't pin our existence on a law. Uh, we were in existence before the law. We acted as if we could bargain before there was a bargaining law. Uh, and so it's a collective action that's behind it, fundamentally. Now, this doesn't deny the fact that uh, Jerry Brown's approval of collective bargaining for farm workers, teachers, and so forth was a very, very helpful and necessary thing for, for us. And thank goodness it happened.
So that's the um, <clears throat> chapter about teacher organizing and uh, public public organizing, public workers organizing in general here in California and how it happened. I want to play now an animated fairy tale that was produced by the California Federation of Teachers and caused a big stir uh, when Fox News saw it, when Mike Huckabee saw it. This is called Tax the Rich, an animated fairy tale. Once upon a time, there was a land that was happy and prosperous. It had a great education system, safe streets, and jobs for everyone. There were a few poor people and a few rich people. Most were in the middle. The people of this land paid for their good life by investing in their future together. They called this paying taxes. Everyone paid what they could afford. The poor people paid a little, the people in the middle paid a middling amount, and the rich people, 1% of everyone, paid more than the others. Just about everyone thought that this was best. But over time, rich people decided they weren't rich enough, so they came up with ways to get richer. The first way was through tax cuts. They didn't mind if this meant fewer services for everyone. They said, why should I care about other non-rich people? I can hire teachers, safety, waste disposal people to work for me for less money than taxes cost. And then I can keep the rest of my taxes for me. The second way rich people got richer was through tax loopholes. These are laws that allow people to avoid paying taxes, with the idea that it's beneficial for other people too, if this group didn't pay. The third way rich people got richer was to pay no taxes at all. This is called tax evasion. Of course, if all the people did this, everything would fall apart. But rich people and giant companies they owned figured no one would notice. This is illegal, but many did it anyway. And so it went. In 20 years, rich people doubled their share of the land's income. Schools, public safety, the roads, parks, libraries, public transportation, all went into decline. The rich people didn't care. They said everyone gets what they deserve. And they bought their own teachers, police, garbage collectors, and transportation. They also bought something else, elections. They spent so much money on politics, they elected people who liked what they liked. More tax cuts for the rich and big businesses, and fewer schools, road repairs, police, firefighters, and nurses for everyone else. When the 99% became upset, the rich people and their politicians said, there is no other way. They repeated this so often many people believed them. Meanwhile, instead of investing in things that most people could use, and instead of providing jobs that paid people well like they used to, rich people found they could make more money in Wall Street. Wall Street is a place where money makes money. Here, the 1% made money so fast that they devoted more and more money to it. They took some of that money and sent it far away, where workers had no rights to produce things that workers used to produce here. When ordinary people wondered why rich people needed so much money, the 1% said, don't worry, this is good for you too, because it will trickle down from us to you. Someday you'll be rich, and then the rules we made for us will be your rules too. Some people weren't so sure about this, so the rich people bought newspapers and TV and radio stations and internet companies and paid them to repeat over and over, someday you will be rich too. There is no alternative. 
Soon you could hear people saying, there is no other way. Someday we'll be rich. Meanwhile, the rich people's money piled higher and higher. But after a while, it was piled too high. One day, the money fell down with a big crash. It fell down right on the houses of millions of ordinary people. It broke their houses. Then more money towers fell down. They fell on ordinary people's jobs. This is terrible. Everyone was scared. How did this happen? The government said, we have to fix this. They were so used to rich people being rich, they immediately started printing money and giving it to rich people. But they didn't give any to the ordinary people whose houses and jobs were broken by the crash. Those people said, you keep the rich people money to replace their money that got lost in the crash? Why aren't you giving us any to fix our houses and our jobs? They got broken in the crash, too. The government had no answer. Now the people got mad. Since they weren't sure who to be madder at, the government or rich people, they got mad at both. Rich people got worried. They thought, if the people get mad enough at us, they might take some of our money. This really upset the rich people, because they loved their money more than anything in the whole world. So they devised a plan. They called it, look over there! Whenever people said, how come you rich people are getting richer, while all the rest of us are losing our houses, our jobs, and our schools, the rich people pointed at someone else and said, look over there! First, they pointed at the people whose houses were broken and said, Look over there! Poor people caused the crash. They built their houses in the wrong place. If they hadn't done that, the money wouldn't have fallen on them. But most people didn't believe them. So the rich people pointed at someone else this time, teachers. They said, Look over there! Teachers have jobs and you don't. No one can ever fire them. And lots of teachers are bad. The schools are failing. Teachers are the reason. Bad teachers. Bad, bad teachers. Most people didn't believe this. They remembered the problem was the crash, not bad teachers. The rich people realized it might be safer for them if someone else pointed their fingers. So they took some of their money, and even though it was just a little bit of their money, it was a lot of money since they had so much. They helped more people get elected. These politicians pointed their fingers at police, firefighters, librarians, and other public employees. They said, look over there! These people are greedy. They have jobs and you don't. You don't have retirement plans and they do. They caused the crash! Some people thought this might be true. They knew someone or something had caused the money to fall. Maybe it was the firefighters. But others remembered that firefighters helped them when their houses were on fire. They also remembered it was the 1% who built the money towers that crashed on their houses and jobs. Some people even remembered those towers of money had replaced factories and jobs that people used to have. And those jobs used to have retirement plans, too. And the ordinary people remembered that the teachers and firefighters lived in their neighborhoods and shopped in the same stores and didn't seem to be the problem at all. The people looked around. They saw too many students in their classrooms. They saw their roads filling with holes. They saw when they needed help, it took longer to arrive. People began to say, maybe rich people have too much money now. And maybe our problems have something to do with the 1% not paying their fair share of taxes. And also, maybe rich people should pay the same rate of taxes they used to when our land was prosperous and more people were better off. The rich people heard these things and grew worried. They told their politicians to pass laws to prevent people from organizing, prevent people from voting, prevent people from having retirement plans. But now the people understood the problem. 
It was rich people who crashed their money onto their houses and jobs. It was the 1% who got politicians to cut their taxes until there wasn't enough for schools, safe streets, libraries, health care, and parks. And it was rich people blaming everyone but themselves for what had happened. This is where we are now. And we have a question. Is there no alternative? Or can the people of this land do something to live happily ever after? That was uh, Ed Asner and the, uh, the cartoon is called Tax the Rich. It's on uh, YouTube. You heard the soundtrack, and it's kind of a, a primer on austerity and where austerity came from, why all of a sudden um, budgets for public services were being cut, are being cut, and there's pressure on uh, public employees. And how did public employees react? Well... Teacher strikes all over the country. Um, big one may be coming up in L.A. pretty soon. Okay. It's movement time. Got it all wrong, so I come to you with a song. In 1810, con el gran grito de pasión, se levantaron con razón. Black and brown fighting together on a day I'll always remember. In el 5 de mayo, con el grito de gallo, black, white, and brown bleeding together on a day I'll always remember. Cause really, it hasn't been that long, so just in case Cat Williams had you guessing, let me kick y'all down with a little history lesson. In the 19th century, while the U.S. promoted degradation, annihilation with its military and U.S. Navy, Mexico got rid of the caste system, voted for its first indigenous president, even getting rid of legalized slavery. The Underground Railroad also ran south, led black folks to freedom with Mexico right there to receive them. In 1910, it was Mexican men with Pancho Villa and Zapata fighting for tierra, libertad y techo with Adelitas on the front line with bullets across their pecho. In the year 1946, it was the Mendez family that fought against segregation in schools. Because before that, they treated us like fools, pushing us out into gangs, wars, and drugs. And then they get pissed off at us when we become crips and bloods, traviesos, zutsuras, pachucos, folkloristas, punks, bomberas, haraneras in the heat, haraneras with the bomb as beat. Talking about what's really going on in the streets. 
the 60s in the streets of Oakland, California. Black Panthers organized for answers. Young lords in New York fought against wars. The Stonewall Rebellion remained true for the rights of the LGBTQ. AIM, who was down for native rights with no shame in their game. Brown berets in LA learning how to fight and doing what's right. In the campos of California, Filipinos were the first ones to lay down the boycott. Screaming in solidarity, isang baksak, one rise, one fall. You come for one, you come for all. And today, Arizona and Alabama, they don't play. Carving out racist laws like it's made out of clay. I stand with Emmett, Trayvon, Oscar, and Bell. With my mentor, Mumia, up in the cell. Telling you I'd rather be blind than to stay quiet on a day while my people are hunt down like prey. My ability to breathe is directly connected to my ability to see. It's not about me, never was, never will be. It's about we. It's time to move, y'all. My people. It's movement time. Listen to my story Sisters, listen to my song Gonna sing it for young people Who are now dead and gone Two of them were twenty And two were just nineteen Just stepping out to meet the world like so many you have seen It was in Kent State, Ohio On a Monday afternoon The air was full of springtime The flowers were in blue Well, it was a scene of terror That none will soon forget Young students stood with empty hands To face the bayonet Allie Krauss and Sandy Scheuer Marched and sang a peaceful song Like Bill Schroeder and Jeff Miller They did not think it wrong They laughed and joked with troopers and some to them did say We marched to bring the G.I.s home And we are not afraid No warning were they given No mercy and no chance The air was filled with tear gas The troopers did advance Suddenly they knelt and fired The students turned and fled Fifteen fell at that moment And four of them were dead On the campus they were murdered 
in the springtime of their lives. As angry sorrow swept the land, their friends and parents cried. They'd hardly learned to struggle, but witness they will be. They died for those in Vietnam, also for you and me. But while we march and mourn today, there's much more we must do. We must teach ourselves to organize and see the struggle through. Blood flowed upon the fourth of May, and we'll know its color well. Till we sink this murdering system in the darkest pits of hell. If I were the president, you could walk on the street at any time. If I had to bring 30,000 troops and put one every 30 feet with a two-foot bayonet on the end of a rifle, I'd give my strong moral support to local law enforcement and say, you, you, uh, obey, you, you, you uh, enforce the law. Hey, wait a minute. Law enforcement. Okay. Now you put the sign up in the wall and you wanted law enforcement. Guys apply for the job. Look, here's our problem. See, we're trying to get some sleep and people keep throwing crap on us. Now, we want somebody to throw them right in a crap house. And I'm delegated to do the hiring here. And uh, so here's what the job is, you see. They, they won't go in the crap house by themselves. And we all agreed on the rule now. And we firmed it up so there's nobody gets out of it. Everybody's vulnerable. They go through right in the crap house. But you see, I can't do it because I do business with these assholes. <laughs> and it looks bad for me, you know. Uh, so I want somebody to do it for me, you know. So I tell you what, here's a stick and a gun and you do it. But wait till I'm out of the room. And whenever it happens, see, I'll wait back here and I'll watch, you know. And you make sure you kick him in the ass and throw him in there. Now, you'll hear me say a lot of times that it takes a certain kind of mentality to do that work, you know, and all that bullshit, you know. But uh, you understand it's all horseshit and you just kick him in the ass and make sure it's done. Demonstration is a tool and a product of a communist effort to defeat the United States in Vietnam. The people are demonstrating, uh, not against Vietnam, they're demonstrating against the police department. Actually against policemen, because they have that concept of, uh, of the law, that the law and the law enforcement are one. Now comes the riot, or the marches. Everybody's wailing and blah, 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 blah. Now you got a cop there who's standing with a short sleeve shirt on and a stick in his hand. And the people on Gestapo at him. Gestapo, you asshole, and the mailman. Gestapo. 
This group is giving so much aid and support to North Vietnam. It should be branded, maybe painting them yellow. Half of them hophead, dirty, filthy, unproductive individuals. The hate mongers, the demonstrators, the no good crowd who would burn America down. <laughs> we'll burn all the churches. That's what we're planning. Yes. Three days after the election. God, to think of it. We will all be walking around naked. That's worse than communism, to walk around naked. Imagine that. Naked women, 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 I don't believe people want to be saved, but God damn them, I'm going to save them whether they like it or not. Well, are you God? Well, no, but, uh, <laughs> uh, the hell, you know, just, uh, well, never mind that, and, uh, I can do you a favor, you do me a favor, that's all, and, uh, so that's where it's at. And that's, I think, uh, hanging up in our country right now. Labor and Love Radio here. Our latest set, you finished Lenny Bruce and his reflections on demonstrations. And uh, before that, a demonstration that turned fatal as National Guard troops shot down students at Kent State, wounding, killing four and wounding 11. And the demonstration was about U.S. involvement in Southeast Asia. The bombing of Cambodia. And it's worth noting that that so full of hatred were people, some people at that time, against demonstrators and against the anti-war movement and against hippies, that uh, one of the nurses at the hospital where the bodies were bought, the four bodies were bought, commented later that the bodies had uh, crabs on them. They had lice and they were dirty. So somehow uh, cleanliness was associated with goodness. I don't know. I'm, I'm not quite sure where that thought pattern comes from but it was a common thing the old joke was uh, oh why couldn't the hippie find his wallet because uh, he hid it under a bar of soap <laughs> the same kind of prejudice the same kind of bias um, stereotypical thinking that uh is directed against other people, other ethnic groups. Funny how those things are all the same. At any rate, at Kent State, 1971, uh, four, four uh, students were shot and uh, murdered, and that was the excuse, I guess, that they were dirty. Huh? Okay, this is the Labor and Love Show, and this is our World Labor Report coming at you from Radio Labor.
Radio Labor is about the labor movement all over the world and what's happening. Now let's see, what's... Uh, it's produced by an uh, English, uh, British group. No matter how profound group. a speech that Lyndon Johnson ever would make, he could never make it. Folks, I think nuclear fission, you'll think you're putts, get out of here. I'm not. We're not getting radio labor here. Some of the headlines they have, Mozambique not recognizing country's public sector union. Uh, Chinese companies need to respect worker rights in Africa. The Chinese expand economically into Africa. Um, an international labor associate, uh, organization report says that women are still 20% behind men in uh, are doing comparable work, comparable worth work. Uh, the garment industry needs to work with global unions. Just was reading an article about uh, the rise of Nike. Not once, of course, did they mention the working people. <laughs> mostly young Asian women who produced the uh, actual shoes. It was all about the investors and the inventor and the... Okay, let's try radio labor here. Listen to a little jazz.
Okay, a little jazz there while we try to get radio labor up, but it's not coming up. Today in labor history, <clears throat> December 11th, 1886. <clears throat> Talk about nerve. Talk about a hard situation. Talk about being up against it. A small group of black farmers organized the Colored Farmers National Alliance and Cooperative Union in Houston County, Texas. They had been barred from membership in the all-white Southern Farmers Alliance. Through intensive organizing, along with merging with another black farmers group, they renamed, renamed Colored Alliance in 1891 claimed the membership of $1.2 million. Remember, you're only alone when you don't stand up. All through history, people have stood up. An Illinois state mine inspector approved coal dust removal techniques in the New Orient Mine in West Frankfort, Illinois. <clears throat> Ten days later, the mine exploded, killing 119 workers because of coal dust accumulations. See, that's what you are. You are labor, and you are expendable in many situations. The U.S. Department of Labor announced that the nation's unemployment rate had dropped to 3.3%, the lowest in 15 years. That was 1968. A lot of people were in uniform then. I guess that's counted as employment. 40,000 workers went on general strike in London, Ontario, a city with a population of 300,000 protesting cuts in social services. There it is, as the cartoon told us. Uh, that's what austerity comes down to. Problems for you, riches for the few. Mission, Michigan became the 24th state to adopt right-to-work legislation prohibiting union contracts that require all employees to pay union dues. The Republican-dominated state Senate introduced two measures by surprise, one covering private workers, the other covering public workers. Five days later, and immediately voted their passage. The Republican House approved them five days later, the fastest it legally could, and the Republican governor immediately signed both bills. 2012 was the year. They had to sneak it through, just like they sneak through those uh, laws limiting the new government, the new uh, democratic government in Wisconsin, limiting their rights. Play some music. I want to play one for my wife, who's a uh, 
indigent today, waiting in the bed. I'd like to introduce three brilliant young women making a great contribution to this generation of music. Great songwriter performers. Please make welcome Sean Colvin, Mary Chapin Carpenter, and Roseanne Cash. You ain't going nowhere, Seal.
One job should be enough. 
after two months of strikes. Employees stopped Marriott from making them choose between wages and benefits. Details varied local by local, but across the country, they won both. In San Francisco and Hawaii, workers won $4 raises over the four-year contract. San Diego workers got a 40% increase. Boston, 20%. Hawaii and San Francisco also won increased pension contributions and maintained or improved their health care. Many of these cities have a very high cost of living. We cannot pay the bills on what we're making, said San Francisco housekeeper Candida Kevorkian, who was picket captain at the Western St. Francis. Marriott includes the Western and Sheridan. San Francisco's Local 2 was the last one to come to an agreement. Picketers there braved not only weather, but also the wildfires that for weeks filled the Bay Area with smoke. It was a fight every day, Kevorkian said. We had to deal with rain, smoke. We had to wear masks. Another key issue was workload. Workers won new protections against overwork and understaffing. Hotel workers won relief from Green Choice, a Marriott hotel that encourages guests to help the environment by skipping housekeeping. That may sound benign, but housekeepers say the program is really an excuse to cut staff and doesn't take into account that a hotel room that hasn't been cleaned for three days requires more work than one that gets cleaned every day. Where green choices used, locals won first-time contract language about the program's impact on workers. Although they wanted to end, end the program, they got their foot in the door. Honolulu Sheraton cook Jenny Johnson said housekeepers often work through their breaks to finish their required rooms. At a beachfront hotel where a family stays in one room for multiple days, there's a lot to clean. On and on, motel workers at Marriott and the Marriott... Uh, owned hotels well it's about time to get moving here it's 11.45 huh? how time sneaks up on us um, this is the B and you've listened to the labor and love show today the show where we tell you how it is where if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get where we remind you that if you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table where you work, you're probably on the menu. In fact, you can bet you're on the menu. Your life is on the menu. Never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Okay, this is the B. Goodbye to... Uh, Vita, Solina, Sylvia, the whole group. Hope everything goes well. Good, Have a good week and good work. And let's go out here. Well, I want to hear that one again. I want to hear that.
guy again as he marvels over what collective action can do. This motherfucker, y'all got him fucked up. <laughs> Look at him. They sent a couple of them home, they all packed they shit up and shut this motherfucker down. Nigga, who y'all think y'all playing with? Mexico, man, this is what black people need to be on, man. I swear to God, I love this shit. They are packing they shit up and shutting this motherfucker, huh? Uh, oh, my mama, all that shit. <laughs> they are not bullshitting. They packed up, yeah, I see, it's over. Them motherfuckers now packed up and dipped. They thought they was gonna play with these amigos and they said, oh yeah, we rise together, homie. And they leaving, and they not bullshitting. Take this in, man, look at this, man. They shut this big motherfucker down today, man. We all going home, man. The SAs, look, ain't no grinding, cutting, welding. This is motherfucker dead ass quiet. The Mexicans shut this motherfucker down, nigga. Said, fuck you, bitch. And really, and really, this is what I'm talking about, baby. I swear to God, they got me here geeked up. Oh, my Malcolm X shit. Oh, my mama, nigga. Fuck the bullshit, nigga. Look at this. They shut this bitch down. They pissed them off, nigga. And they said, fuck you, we out. We not working no more today. Kiss my ass, nigga. I'll let y'all tomorrow. Oh, my mama. That's great. Look. Ain't nobody here. We're just cleaning up. We're going home. It's over. I'm riding with the essays, nigga. Fuck it. Go to the crib. Go to the. Go to the casa. Hasta la luego, man. Muy bien. You swear to God. Okay, for let's hope for uh, many more moments like that. <clears throat> As we go out with Kerry Miraji in the Internacional. Goodbye and have a good week. of swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. 
From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Asiento, take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryan. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas, and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday, live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties. The food is darn good special happy hour prices all night long with your mutiny radio comedy festival ticket march 1st through 5th check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com come take a seat i had a date there and it did not go well but it wasn't the fault of the place they're very nice asiento For a burger, Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. Yeah. 
Welcome. Bender's Bar and Grill, located at 806 South Van Ness in the Mission District of San Francisco. Your favorite bar with awesome bartenders, rotating local art, and a killer back patio. It's a great place to hang out and play one of their two pool tables or old school pinball machine with a tasty adult beverage. Live music every Saturday for only $5. Bender's brings you face-melting metal and rock and roll. The last Friday of the month, punk rock and schlock delivers super fun karaoke with Aileen. Come on, what's not to like? They even have counter-offer inside, frying up the tots with sexy hot burgers for your face. Open every day at 2 p.m. Their happy hour goes till 7 p.m. Bender's is proud to be a sponsor of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival, because they're an awesome community asset to the dirtbags who keep art alive in the mission. Bender's Bar and Grill. Hi, welcome to My Limited View. I am your host, Sergio Navoa. And I'm your co-host, Vanessa Wilkins. Join us every Tuesday from 12 to 2 at mutinyradio.fm as we share stories, our personal stories. And struggles and challenges. And we'll also have guests come in and share their stories. And hopefully through all this, we can expand our view. Or your view. Yes, and there'll be plenty of dick jokes, so don't worry. It's not always going to be heavy. Yeah, I might even share black hair tips. Black hair tips. Don't know anything about it. Sorry. <laughs> All so, on my limited view. Yes, every Tuesday from twelve to two. Uh, oh, you can if you, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Oh yeah, and Google Play and Stitcher, iTunes. Oh, you already said that. TuneIn Radio. Uh, Stitcher, you said that. Spotify. Oh my God, there's just so many. And Overcast. Um, yes, you can also find us on social media, M as in Mary, L as in Larry, P as in Peter, podcast, MOV podcast is our handle. Until next time, I hope you're enjoying your view. Yes. Bye. Bye. That kind of sucked balls. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is in dupe. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling so all you gotta do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe and what's better than the universe <laughs> it's a cash cock honey <laughs> You ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be 
Like in front of an audience? Like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, by the way, if you see your mom. Yes, son. Well, son, a funny thing about regret is that it's better to regret something you have done than to regret something you haven't done. And by the way, if you see your mom this weekend, would you be sure and tell her, Satan, Satan, Satan. <laughs>